I'm Sarah Elizabeth Smith, and this is the Theosophia Podcast. Today, we are on part two of my interview with the Reverend Chantel Hinton, and this interview picks up where I start talking to Chantel about her most pressing theological question right now. Hope you enjoy. I don't want to read this whole piece out because I do want to get it published somewhere, but I've been really intrigued lately by uh, questions of salvation um, for those who've been raised in the Christian tradition and for those who've been raised in like in a traditionally, traditionally black church kind of tradition. Salvation is clearly very important, um, but it's, it's taught in such a way that like only concerned with saving one's soul and not saving one's body. And I just have a hard time understanding God who is so deeply invested in embodiment and bodies. Clearly God came down in the form of a body, Christians, if we profess that. Um, But yet God is only concerned about saving people's souls so that they spend eternity with God in heaven but God is not then also concerned about people's bodies uh, in the now. Um, yeah. That really bothers me. And so I've been, I've been toying with questions of the differences between salvation and justice. And should there be a difference? Because if salvation is only worried about souls, then perhaps it is justice that's worried about souls and bodies. Um, and should we be teaching salvation in more of a holistic way to where it's uh, not just talking about your soul going to heaven, but your body being taken care of on earth as well. Wow. I love that. I love that so, so much. As I was telling you, I was reading this poem you wrote and it, how did I explain it? You're talking, we're talking about consumerism of bodies and you know, how we we're talking about the police force and the military about Mm. how, you have to treat people as bodies and not as, as people and whole souls and, and just how it affects everything that we do now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I said something like kind of dramatic about it before I said that. What did I say? It um, just my reaction to this, you know, I'm so, I'm so well known for my pithy one liners and I had one and I wanted to say it. You did have one. I did. And you were like, what, what do you mean by that? all I can remember when I read it is I I texted you I was in class and I said I'm trying to not weep while I read this because it's it's so powerful and beautiful and really it's just one of those this question kind of brings you to your knees in a lot of ways in our world right now Um, so let's let's unpack this and start with Particular ways that souls, and I can think of a lot of ways, and we can talk together about this, but the ways that souls are only important mm-hmm. with salvation. And I first think about um, a lot of friends and family who've gone overseas to do mission work. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's great stuff, right? Like bringing healthcare to countries or fresh water or food or whatever. Like I, I, I'm, I think those are wonderful, good things the church should have interest in doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a lot of times, and what they come back talking about the most sometimes, and, you know, I'm not trying to blanket all mission work. Um, I just I know sometimes folks go over there just to save souls. 
mm-hmm. and to do this kind of altar call type thing that I've grown up a lot with from my mom's Baptist side. So whenever I go to like Baptist church or um, I went to a pretty evangelical summer camp uh, growing up, there was always in everything and every day an altar call to give your life and your heart to Jesus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so this particular focus on souls, how, how do you see this in other ways happening in our world right now? And maybe talking about uh, military police work is, is one way to go about it. Um, mm-hmm. What's a, yeah. another example or, or maybe um, talk about that more? Yeah, I think one way, which is, it's so hard, right? Because I mean, being on campus and being a chaplain, whenever I do worship with the students, I ask them after I'm done preaching, like, do you want to give your life to Christ? So it's not that I don't believe in salvation in terms of function of your soul, but it's just like, guys, the ways that we use that as like, to everything. So for example, you know, you can be in a hospital and, um, or you, you, you don't have to be at a hospital. I know in a lot of families, um, we can be talking about, especially religious, highly religious families. We can be talking about a person who, you know, the end of their life or, you know, maybe they're going to go to prison or something like that. Like something dramatic is about to happen to where their life will be completely changed. And the only thing that that people in the family are concerned about is, well, you know, the best thing they can do now is just give their life to Christ. Like, well, I mean, if we're that concerned about, you know, where they're going to spend eternity, have we asked the question about like life in the now? Like, okay, they may be, they may be made some decisions that landed them in jail, or maybe there was some discrimination that happened that landed them in jail or whatever. Hardest to make sure that their life was worth living in the first place. Like it just, that's one area. I just feel like a lot of families and like super religious folks are always concerned about, um, I just, you know, the best thing I can do for a person who's on the street, who is homeless or whatever is ask them, do they know Christ? Um, another, I guess, manifestation of that is there are some, some rescue missions. Are you entry? If you, you know, if you take these Bible classes, have you ever seen stuff like that? Uh-huh. Yep. Like, yo, yep. these people are literally dying on the streets, but you're talking about, you need to come take this Bible study first. Like what? That's not no. going to feed the hungry. Feed the hungry. Like, what are you doing, bro? So there's that. And then there's, you know, oh, and this, this stuff is bananas, but like, um, those, those, um, I don't, I don't know if they were called like camp Exodus or whatever those things were called. Those conversion camps Uh, for, for, you know, their parents were like, Oh, my, my, my kid is gay or whatever. And I I don't want them to be like that. Pray the gay away. That's what it is. Pray uh, the gay away. uh, Like, um, no, the, like these children, these young people are desperately needing to be affirmed in who they are as people. And you're more concerned about their soul being, you know, made right for God or whatever. That's, that's just dangerous. I mean, so many people have been and are, and are scarred from that type of thinking. So that's definitely another example of only being concerned about the soul and not being concerned about the body. And that the body, now we're going to switch maybe to talking about bodies. We are animals. Now I, there's a distinction in the type of animals we are. 
right? We have consciousness. We have this superiority. If we take Genesis seriously Mm -hmm. of, you know, we, we get, um, dominion over the earth. And I, I say dominion in a very, like, we should be, it should be, yes, caring and a a burden with which we should take very seriously, um, and how we treat the world and everything in it. But that we are animals and we do, our bodies have desires and things we need, right? Yeah. So like you were saying, we need to eat. We have hungry people. That's a problem. Um, Mm -hmm. That believing in Jesus isn't going to help you if you're starving, literally, right? Right, right. Um, And our bodies need, we need, you know, shelter. We need um, clothing. We need relationship we need psychological like we need relationships and mm-hmm. i argue i think we'd need um some sort of intimacy whether you know with other humans touching sex mm-hmm. these types of things i think are psychological needs but they're they're manifested in our bodies yeah and we can't when we deny our bodies these basic things like food shelter water you know clothing uh emotional, psychological things, uh, we shut down and we, we, we may die or in the process of dying Mm -hmm. and not living. So what, what are other ways do you think the body, we have to listen to our bodies in a faith, you know, type sense? Yeah. Um, I think it's so awesome that you brought that up because it brought to my mind another example. Um, as women, we're told that we have to be super women, that we must live sacrificially for everyone else. And damn it, if our body is going, you know, going to hell in a handbasket because we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not listening to those needs, we have not given ourselves any self-care, we have not, we denied ourselves. We, we Let's not even talk about like the holiness culture that, that people are subjected to believe in as well um Mm -hmm. i think that like a better way of living faithfully um into your you know into your call as a christian or you know a preacher or pastor or whatever is to think more seriously about what it means to be um, a person of integrity who knows how to uh, who knows how to be uh let me see integrity who knows how to live fully into the body that God created you into. I don't think that um, it is, I don't think God needs us to live self-sacrificially. I don't. Mm -hmm. I think think for those of us who have professed faith in Christ, Christ already did all that. Like Christ already sacrificed Christ's life for for all of us. So there's no reason for us to sacrifice um, our souls for anything other than what we choose to sacrifice for in noble ways. So faithfully uh, in ways that would be inclusive of our body. Um, I think, I think to something you told me one day in field ed, we talked about, we were talking about, um, I don't know if we were talking about sex or, or what we were talking about. We were saying something about how the church is falling short in teaching people, teaching young people, how, what does it mean to be, whole relationships or something like that. We were talking about like, what does it mean to share your body with, with some person, with one person and be in and have integrity in that? What does it mean to um, 
explore and experience your sexuality and not be shamed for it? Like, what does Mm. it mean? Those are the types of questions that we have to start asking and answering that I believe would help us to move toward a more holistic view of salvation, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. And I just remember, and one of my big critiques of the church um, in my work is that we never talk about um, not only sex and sexual ethics, but just the body in general. Yeah. You know, and like you said, how do you care for yourself? And I, um, I've been doing a lot of yoga lately, which I think, um, and I always say this about Western Christianity is we, we just don't have an, an a sense of embodied practices, Mm-mm. right? And I think VDS did a great job of calling attention to our bodies and how we could uh, incorporate spiritual practice or or just our theologies and thinking about our body Mm -hmm. um, and not leaving behind our bodies when we do theology and just thinking about the soul because look, look at what it's done. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially, you know, you mentioned in your, your poem, um, especially uh, slavery and black bodies being sold without souls, that it's easier. I love this line. If you don't Mm -hmm. mind me sharing this line, you can read it. Go for it. Um, Like toys without batteries, bought bodies don't work right. They only work to fulfill the buyer's, the buyer's purpose. Um, God, that's beautiful. Um, And, and horribly horrifying too. Um, But when you, when you just use the body for the body, right? Which I think is what the church historically has made sex about is this carnal animalistic thing that we do to procreate mm-hmm. that's so separate from our souls or our personhood. It's like they're two totally different things. But I think what you were saying that I was trying to point out in Field Ed was what does it look like when we talk about both? Yes. And that's what you're saying justice is. And that's what I I think is so brilliant about what you're saying is that justice and theology is talking about the whole person. Mm -hmm. We cannot split body from soul Mm -hmm. because it does violence to one or the other. Yes, absolutely. It absolutely does. Um, Paul and all of them in Bible times significance of, of, of our sexuality because a lot of what they, if you, if you think contextually about what they're writing about sex, sexual immorality and all that junk that people like to use, uh, promulgate um, heterosexuality, um, a lot of what they were talking about, what Paul was talking about contextually, is the fact that uh, pagan worship included sex. People in the, in that culture were having sex in these temples on these altars, and that was an act of worship, right? And so, yeah. if we if we think through what that actually means, is that sex? I do believe that sex is is so uh, much more than bodily, what you were saying. It is so... I think it's sacred. It's sacred. It's so sacred. It's, it's ethereal. It's, it's, it 
blends. It does so many things. It cannot be, I don't even see how people just look at it or regulate it as something that's just bodily or whatever. So yes, to, to your whole point, absolutely. I think if we could start talking more inclusively of body and soul, our churches are so much better off, which is why I absolutely love disciples because we do do communion every Sunday. And I have met some amazing folks who've been able to like make those connections between that sacred moment and spirit. We're talking about Christ's body right, right then and making those connections to justice, making those connections to the black bodies that have been left in the streets to die for hours and their blood's pouring out, making those connections to uh, trans folks and folks who have been um, who've been left to die, like of Eucharist can be used in such in such a more embodied way. Um, to your point about Christians not having a lot of embodied practices, like that is one inroad that we can absolutely be yes. using in a more inclusive way that people don't like to use in an inclusive way. Yes. Oh, amen. I mean, I the Eucharist is foundational for my my theology and spiritual practice um, in the Episcopal church, as you know, we, we do it every Sunday too. Um, but we're eating. Remember uh, we are, we believe we are eating Christ's body and Christ's blood. Even if it's just on a spiritual way, our Catholic brothers and sisters believe, you know, it, the elements literally turn into Christ's body and blood, right? Yep. So bodies, bodies are important. They matter. They absolutely do. Um, and even if you are a, you know, a Methodist or Episcopalian, and I don't know, I'm sure the DOC is similar, like this idea of consubstantiation where the elements, the mystical presence of Christ uh, comes into the elements, right? Mm-hmm. So either way, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think there's absolutely in the sacrament this both and of the body and spirit that's happening Mm-hmm. Um, so in consubstantiation, it's the mystical presence, the spirit of Christ that's taking on the physical elements. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a similar way in transubstantiation, I think a similar thing, like the spirit of Christ changed the elements into the actual flesh and blood. Um, either way, it's both. And the theological truths that we glean from that moment, um, should should inform how we think about all of our theology and practices. And in this particular question, your question on salvation and justice, um, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful linkage, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to pull out another uh, quote from, from your piece. You said, what kind of salvation separates body from soul? What manner of purchase can split fresh flesh from spirit? After all, one deal sealed the institution of slavery. The other fathered the child called Christianity. And I wanted to know what you were talking about. I, I, I have ideas of what you were talking about with, with that. The father, the child of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Say more about that. Um so, and I was trying to be very intentional to use. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I figured. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I was, and I can be very cerebral. So 
you know, <laughs> some, of it, some of it could probably be like, what in the heck is she talking about? Um, so I just had really been thinking about like, of, I mean, yes, while I'm, I'm very Christian and very proud of it, there are days that I really do struggle with knowing that Christianity was of um, white supremacy <laughs> in, uh. in some ways. So um, anyways, I just have been thinking about that question of salvation and justice and thinking about like purchase of bodies legitimately is how slavery started. Purchase of souls is how the church was formed in, in some way, shape or form. Um, there, I mean, there's a whole bunch that I was leaving out, but just on a very basic level. Um, and then thinking through like how both of those slavery and the church have so many connections and have been commodifying both bodies and souls for the longest time. Yeah. And where actually, honestly, there are ways that you can't find, you that you can't ser- separate uh, the institution of slavery from the institution of the church. And you should be able to, but you can't. So I think that's kind of what I was getting at um, in which some of the very, uh, the very institutions that have separated body from soul have made their way into the church or was, or were started at the beginning of the, of the church itself. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm, That's, that's wonderful. Can you name an example, maybe in your ministry in the church right now, where you are actively bringing together both of these things and your idea of justice? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, our Arcus work was good. I think that was one place where I really, I really had to grow and challenge myself. But even last, maybe two months ago, I think it was in September, we did this thing. Rather than have a a typical church service with a sermon and all that stuff, we did a um, a dialogical discussion called "The Personal Is Political." where we allowed people to share their stories of the ways in which white white supremacy, uh, which seeks to separate body and soul, how it has affected them, how it's manifesting in their bodies, how it hurts, and what we are called to do as disciples of Christ to circumnavigate all the powers and principalities of white supremacy, how we are called to speak out against it, and how we are called to do justice. So I think that was a really good example of like, to name um, name the sin that racism is, that white supremacy is, the systemic sin. Name that it is seeking to devalue uh, bodies and not take in co- into consideration people's souls. And also this as a very holistic practice of not only being concerned with who we are as Christians, but who we are as just people uh, regardless, because we had some folks on the panel who were Jewish. They weren't Christian, but they were speaking on the very basis of just being a human, just being a whole person. What what does justice mean for us being a human? So it, it was really good, actually. Mm, mm, that's wonderful. And you made me think of how maybe I might even say the word white Christianity has kind of blinded me to my body. Mm. It's you know, in terms of I didn't recognize my whiteness and what it meant until I, I took a class on African-American social ethics with you. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I just, I didn't even realize. Uh, and, you know, the question that really disturbed me in a lot of ways from that class, Dr. Stacy Flew Thomas asked, 
about my culture. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Like trying to name white culture. And I was like, uh, uh, American culture, <laughs> you know, like I didn't even know, you know, now, yeah. now I feel like I, I probably could name, uh, what white culture is, but I, I didn't, you know, I thought my culture was everyone's culture, you know, like, um, but I, I can't, you know, and even some of the things in white culture I learned have been, um, taken from other cultures. Right. And Mm -hmm. what, what's the word where we make them our, our own commodify. Yeah. We, we commodify, uh, Mm -hmm. other cultures, um, and make them our own. So, that brings up a good point because one of the other questions that you and I talked about that actually goes back into this poem and probably is a better way to answer the question that you were just asking me about that little section that you read is to completely put a pause on a brand of Christianity or a brand of faith in Christ that makes me obliterate my blackness. Oh, so many who want that they absolutely want to just use Paul's words that there's no Greek, no female, no male, no Jew, no Gentile, no slave, blah, 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 to, to, you know, to preach this message of sameness and colorblindness that it does not work for me. Like it's a no for me. I can't do that right now. And so like, that's another way that I feel like the institution of the church has, has really like is dangerous ideas of not having an identity just because you can you can't you can find an identity in Christ I'm not saying that you can't but before I was Christian I was black and before I was Christian I was woman well I was girl but you know what I mean like those things I can't separate those things and I have so many problems when I go to these spaces where they just want everything everyone everyone is the same and uh, no that's not that's a no for me so Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. I don't know how to follow that Chantel. That's so, that's exactly what I want this podcast to be, mm-hmm. you know, is, is to show how all of these things of who, how the diversity of who we are is all of these things are made by God as sacred, as gifts, as little glimmers of God in this world. Yeah. And I think our diversity shows mm-hmm. how diverse God is and how beautiful and how big and how just incredible God is. And if mm-hmm. we were all the same, if you, if we, if I forget about your blackness, you forget about my whiteness, you know, you forget, you know, you have a vagina and that person has a penis. Like it just, it sanitizes Christianity or it, uh, what's another word? It kind of. One yeah. Yeah. It makes it so thin and mm-hmm. it makes it so um, cheap. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge um, goal for me in this podcast is to uh, bring to light all the ways in which our unique identities and who we are bring forth God's truths and God's goodness yes. in the world, in our bodies mm-hmm. and in our minds mm-hmm. working together. And that's where I think we're the most healthy mm-hmm. 
and the most productive for God's work on this earth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think like, and this can be my final words, you know, sure. I, I do. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Um, are you a sci-fi fan or anything? Do you like sci-fi or you're not really into sci-fi? I watched some. I was really into the matrix growing up. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, there's a movie. I'm really into sci-fi cause I'm a dork, but anyways, um, I really love this movie called interstellar. And if you've never seen it, is about these beings beyond the earth um, that are communicating to, to this one guy who's on earth. Um, I'm, and they use it, they use all that they're able to get him to come through and he's able to, to see them and all this stuff. That doesn't matter. All I'm trying to say is I believe that like you and I and people like us who are exploring the unknown or exploring the unpopular or uh, really uh, challenging the boundaries of the traditions that we've been raised in, like what, what we are called to do as is use, use our gifts, our skills, um, our way of being, our ontology, um, our epistemology, our way of knowing to create the tools that will be a wormhole for people to leave this dimension that they're in now and travel to another dimension to experience a God beyond what they've experienced before. Like that's legitimately how I think about what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. No, it doesn't make it easy. There's no uh, formula for it. There's no like set way to do it. And so I think like other avenues like it where we're able to just speak freely, share our stories, but also like work together, co-labor together, co-journey together in in creating space language and new understandings of God to develop, those will be wormholes for people to travel down in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. Those will be, those will be portals essentially that will, you know, transport folks from traditions that are no longer working into like more holistic theologies that can uh, make us more fruitful and productive and uh, living better and better together. So I just, yeah, I, I think, and I just keep encouraging you to do it. Thanks, sister. I appreciate it very much. Thanks again to my dear friend Chantel for joining us on Theosophia this week. Next week, my good friend Keegan Osinski will be on talking about the Southern Nazarene tradition and being a librarian at Vanderbilt Divinity School. Have a good weekend, y'all. Peace. <laughs>